I'd like somebody uh, to give me a wolf whistle. Okay, all right, okay. All right, we're all on the same page here. Um, <laughs> also, I need somebody to help me. When, I, when, uh, uh, when it's about, when I've spoken for about 25 minutes, who will raise their hand and kind of wave at me so that I can go ahead and land this, this everybody, oh no, don't do every, okay. So I need somebody specifically. Anybody want to volunteer? Okay, there we go. Thank you. Thank you. So uh, this, also one of the things that we did, uh, Mark did, was, which was really great, I, uh, asked, uh, I asked him if I could send him the notes, and if, if you want to, you can download them uh, on your uh, CV app and go along with me with the notes, uh, or you can, when you get home, if you want to kind of look up some of the references, all that, uh, it's on our CV app. So hopefully if I see that blue screen in your face, that means you're looking at the uh, notes and not checking your email, but who knows. Uh, so, uh, so Father, thank you, Lord, for your presence. We thank you uh, this morning, the way that you've uh, really impacted us through worship. Uh, we're just so grateful for the just the expressions of life and love uh, that just spring forth from this community. Uh, this, this morning, as we, as we look at your word, as we open it again, we ask that you would meet us and, and confront us and shape us in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, this morning, uh, I'm going to talk about four movements of the Holy Spirit. There are four major movements of the Holy Spirit that you can experience in your lifetime. The first two, uh, for sure, uh, if you're a follower of Jesus, you'll experience these first two moves of the Spirit. But the second two moves of the Spirit depend on your response to the first two moves of the Holy Spirit. Uh, God is active in our lives, and there's seasons, there are processes that He takes us through. And we're going to uh, spend this morning just unpacking some of that. But let me open up with Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And this is a, will be our anchoring scripture. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also pre, predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. Of his son. Uh, and just a couple of things from that verse. First of all, uh, Paul says, in all things, there is not a part of your life that Jesus isn't involved in. There is not an aspect of your personality, of your life situation, that God doesn't want to say something. And to, so uh, sometimes we feel like you know, we have a religious part, a spiritual part, but then we got the other part. Well, here it says that in all things, God works, and, and in other words, God is active in our lives all the time. Whether we know it, whether we feel it, whether we feel like he's, he's, a, he's far or he's close, God is active in all of our lives. And he's active, uh, he says, for our good. He is not wanting to harm you. He's not wanting to even punish you. What he's doing is that he's restoring you. 
You know, when Jesus, the last night uh, before his death, you know, he spoke to his disciples, and he says, you know, I will give you another helper. In other words, Jesus was with them, helping them, helping them move into the purpose of God, helping them to, to connect with God at a deeper level. And he says, I've been with you, but I'm going to send another helper. And he's going to continue the work that I've begun with you. So God is actively working in our lives for our good, for his purposes, which means as we're in Christ, we all have a purpose. All of our lives are special. Every one of us matter. And so what God is doing is that he's moving us, he's moving our lives towards his purposes uh, for the, and, and, and part of that whole process is conforming him to the likeness of his son, us becoming Christ-like. And the way that I unpack what does it mean to be Christ-like, it means being a healthy version of the unique person God has created you to be. To be a healthy version of the unique person God has created you to be. And just a heads up, a healthy version of you means that you will look and act more like Jesus and less like the devil. So just kind of give you a, a, an idea of where he's taking you. So, you know, here we are in this, in this time. Uh, we have 2,000 years of, of Christian history behind us. And, uh, and in those 2,000 years, uh, a lot of smart people, a lot of uh, people hungry for God, and, and one of the ways uh, that uh, people over the centuries have come to identify the different movements of the Holy Spirit uh, as, as the Holy Spirit brings us and pushes us into the purposes of God, uh, they, they, they've broken it down into four steps. And, and you really find this in the, the Catholic tradition, the Orthodox tradition. Uh, and you've got to remember uh, the church existed for 1,500 years before the Protestants came along. Those 1,500 years were not wasted years. Those 1,500 years were not silent years. God was working. God was shaping. So a little bit of what I'm sharing this morning comes out of that Catholic Orthodox tradition. So this is what it looks like for God to be working for your good and his purposes. And I'm going to share it as, as a big picture as well as, as a little picture. And these, these four stages that God takes us through is, is uh, and the name for it is, is awakening, purgation, illumination, and union. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, okay, so that's up there. So each of these four stages, uh, the Holy Spirit is at work, and, and we experience these four stages uh, with the big picture is that this can be thought of as the general overview of God's activity in your lives. This is the overall theme is that God awakens you to himself. He, uh, you're, you're asleep, so to speak. He calls you. He awakens you. And as you respond to him, he begins to uh, what they would call purgation. He begins to purge uh, the things out of us that are unhealthy, those things that, that are harming us. And, uh, and as he's moving towards that, he's not only, uh, uh, he's removing those things so that he can, we can come into a place, uh, they call it illumination, where you're, you're, you're rooted in the love of God. 
and you're, you're beginning to live out the life that God has called you to do, but you're, you're doing it through pure motives. And then finally, uh, union. And so this is the overarching uh, picture of our lives. But also, this is how God works through the... Uh, uh, so, you know, we have our big life, but uh, this way of processing can be thought of as the path towards wholeness in specific areas in your life. So there's times when he's dealing with our sexuality or he may be dealing with our creativity or, or developing our natural talents, our passions, our spiritual gifts. Uh, he's working on our vocation, emotional health. So, you know, as we mature, all those things don't mature at the same time. You know, so we're, we're growing and we're maturing in some parts of our lives, yet in other parts of our lives we can still be very underdeveloped. So there's a sense that we're working through the, these four stages. Uh, in the big picture, this is the overall direction, but also different parts of our lives. Uh, God is uh, awakening parts of our personality, parts of our calling that, that we haven't been aware of, and then he begins, uh, begins the whole uh, purgation process. So these, as I said, these four stages work on a macro and a mind, uh, micro level, but we are always free to resist the transforming work of the Holy Spirit. We can't speed up our progress, but we can slow it down. God has given us the Holy Spirit. Each of these stages, the Holy Spirit is working to bring about God's purposes for our lives. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's handiwork. So the Holy Spirit is transforming us into the kind of people who can not only find God's will, but who can sustain doing God's will over a lifetime. And so, you know, even a blind squirrel can find a nut from time to time. And we have the ability to stumble into God's will from time to time. But to be able to come into his will and sustain yourself, to be there over the long term, this is the work of God uh, on the inside of us. And these four stages, awakening, purgation, illumination, union, they, they build up on each other. And these stages are rooted in the context and the reality of our messy lives. Christian spirituality is messy. And it's not just here's theory, but literally uh, we're going through these stages in our lives, in our singleness, in our marriage, at our jobs, and in, in our relationships. So, you know, there's the initial uh, awakening where we uh, awake to the Spirit of God. We awake to Him, you know, calling us. And for many of us, you know, we have those encounters as children uh, at some level. But then there, there comes a point where as an adult, as a young adult, uh, you know, God calls you. And, and you, you kind of come out of your sleep. And uh, sometimes you hit the snooze button. So, he, you know, he, the good thing is that he keeps on bugging us until we awake. Uh, so there's the initial awakening, but also this awakening phase is, is ongoing. And this is what's been so amazing, uh, just walking with, the, with Jesus for these decades, is that there's parts of who I am that I don't even know that, that are there. And then as you follow God, God begins awakening parts of you. 
that, that you weren't even aware of. So this awakening is, is an ongoing process that we go through. And so even though we awaken initially, uh, we continue to awaken uh, throughout our Christian lives. Purgation. Uh, this is where God deals with the obvious sins, our motives, our attitudes. He begins dealing with stuff below the surface we're not aware of. But uh, ultimately, the, the last stage of purgation is where he begins dealing with inner life patterns. And we're going to unpack that in, in just a few moments. But ways of relating to people and to others where we're protecting ourselves, we're manipulating the people around us so that we can feel safe. And God begins to dismantle those kinds of systems. Illumination is where, again, we're rooted in God's love. We're beginning to do the work that he's called us to. And uh, illumination uh, kind of towards the end of that process is a, is a very deep trust and peace where anxiety is no longer pushing us, where anxiety isn't something that hangs over us. And then union is where there's a real integration of God's will, his purposes, his character uh, into in you, where you begin to love others as God loves us. You know, it says that God loves those who are ungrateful. God loves those that are not appreciative. God loves those that don't love him back. Uh, we learn to love as God loves. And we can learn to love the unlovable. So, uh, so let's talk, uh, first of all, about awakening for a few moments. Uh, so God, the Holy Spirit arouses us from sleep. And this awakening is always a two-sided encounter. There's an encounter with God and an encounter with ourselves. And this encounter with God is where we, uh, we see God in a new way. Uh, we see him in a deeper way, in a, in a more profound way. And, uh, but also, as we have an encounter with God, there's always an encounter with ourselves, where we see ourselves differently. We see ourselves through the lenses that God may be seeing us. Uh, we realize we're not quite as, as awesome as we thought we were. You know, that there's things in us that are broken that, that God wants to, uh, to speak to. But also, on the other side, we see that we're, uh, God has a purpose for us, that, that our lives really do matter. So there's a two-sided encounter with God and with ourselves, but also there's a two-sided experience. When God awakens us, there's an invitation to intimacy and a challenge to respond the invitation to intimacy is that as we, we awake to the Spirit of God, uh, we see that he's active in your life, that he's speaking to you. And with that invitation usually comes a, a challenge to, re, to respond. So there's that sense where we feel connected with God. But more times than not, there is a, a challenge to respond to, to, what, uh, to, to, uh, to this invitation. And this challenge to respond, many times it means to change what we've been doing, to go a different way. And so this challenge can cause us both to hunger as well as resist. One side of us, we really want to hunger for God, but at the same time, we're pushing back. Anybody ever have that experience? Uh, okay, you're normal. Uh, so, and, and sometimes... Uh, with this sense of challenge we get from God, 
uh, we, we go back to sleep. Just because we're not ready to go there yet. We're not ready to, to do what we need to do, so we kind of close our eyes and pretend like we're sleeping. But the Spirit of God will continue to, uh, uh, to knock on the door. And, you know, I was just, uh, uh, I mean, throughout my life, and, you know, I was just thinking through this, you know, I, I came to Christ about 1974 or so. I uh, was awakened as an adult. But with that came a challenge that if you want to follow me, these are things you've got to let go of. These are things that you can no longer put your hand to. And it wasn't that God didn't want me to have any more fun, and that's usually what we hear. But th those were things that were not going to take me where God was wanting to take me. Those were habits that would ultimately do me harm. Uh, getting drunk all the time uh, would not turn me into the adult that God wanted me to do. And so, so sometimes we, we look at this and we think, uh, you know, we hear this, you know, we're not supposed to have fun. Well, that's not the issue. The things that you're doing is not moving you towards God's purposes. So, uh, you know, in, 80, in 74 that happened to me, but, you know, I can just kind of go through my life and I see, I see this awakening where God challenges me to, uh, to kind of step out in faith and to do things that I haven't done before. So each awakening always leads to a new set of challenges. Parts of yourself come alive, and the parts that came alive, they need to work through the purgation stage. And the word purgation is where we get the word purge. Uh, purgation is the classic term used to describe God's inner activity in a Christian life. Purgation is the process of bringing our behavior, attitudes, and desires into harmony with our growing awareness of the kind of person God has called us to be. And so on the front end of purgation, God begins, you know, uh, dealing with blatant sins, you know, like, okay, I probably shouldn't steal. Uh, I need to bring down the lying a little bit. Uh, I need to, you know be faithful to my partner, and all those kinds of things. Those things, those obvious sins. And then God begins dealing with our disobedience. And there's things that aren't wrong to do, but he doesn't want you to do them. There's things that you want to pursue, but that's not going to take you where God wants to take you. And so even though something is legal, even though something other people are doing it, Sometimes God won't let you do it. And so this is a whole issue of obedience. Are you willing to let go of even good things so that you can hear the Lord and do the thing that he's called you to do? He begins dealing with our, the unconscious sins, uh, the things that are below the surface, uh, the omissions. Uh, he begins... Uh, you know, dealing with the deep-seated structures of our being and behavior. And this is kind of where I just really want to focus a little bit because this is kind of the... So he deals with the obvious stuff. He deals with our motives. He deals with the, the issues of obedience. But the end of the purgation stage uh, in an area that God may have, may have his hand on is he begins uh, dealing with uh, our inner... Our, uh, the, uh, our inner structures, 
the way that we see our lives, the way that we see ourselves. Uh, I'm just going to read some things from some different authors. And again, if you go to the website, all the authors I'm reading are referenced. So purgation begins dealing with deep-seated structures of being and behavior. This is sometimes called the dark night of the soul. God begins dealing with deep-seated attitudes and inner orientations of our being out of which our behavior patterns flow. Here, purgation deals essentially with our trust structures, especially those deep inner postures of our being that do not rely on God but on self for our well-being. As we attempt to adapt to and protect ourselves from the wounds and the realities of life, we each create a unique variety of defense structures, patterns of thinking, behaving, and relating designed to protect us. These patterns make up our false selves. So all of us just getting through life, we, we set up these patterns, we set up these defense mechanisms uh, that protect us at one level, but they end up imprisoning us, you know, as we get to be adults. So at one level, they kind of work. They got us through some hard stuff, but there comes a point where they're doing us harm, and they're, they're really keeping us uh, from, from the place that God's called us. So those who can walk through this phase are liberated from dependency on manipulation, harmful internal support systems. To walk through this fire is not to die, but to be transformed and to be purged. And again, uh, the writer speaks of the dark night of soul. There comes a time when both the body and the soul enter into such a vast darkness that one loses light. There comes a time when the soul sinks down into the night St. John of the Cross explained that a person may suffer a feeling of abandonment by God as well as a dynamic dryness, emptiness, and a distressing encounter with one's own hunger. The purpose of the dark night is to purge us. Previous ways of thinking and relating to God no longer suffice. Thomas Merton tells us that the darkness comes when we allow God to strip away the false selves and make us into the kinds of person we're meant to be. Transformation depends on this very stripping away, a process that involves undoing ego patterns, recasting the old story we've created for ourselves to live in, and unraveling illusions not only about ourselves, but about God. This stripping away both demands and creates a temporary darkness. So, and again, it's, he is, uh, well, let me just say, purgation totally sucks. This process is painful. This process can be embarrassing. This process can be humiliating. As he, uh, and it, it, you feel very vulnerable because there are these systems that we have in place on the inside that protect us, that enable us to move in our family systems, in our in our uh, social systems, and our church systems, that, that we feel like we can be safe. And to let go of those things that, that protected us at one level and to trust that God has something better, uh, it, it just takes a tremendous amount of courage. And, and what God is doing is that he's removing the clutter to make room for the eternal. He's removing the clutter that's keeping us from his purposes. So the purpose of uh, purgation is to help the believer come to a mature faith that's characterized by a radical trust in God, 
a decline in anxiety, and an increase in peace. Uh, if you let the Holy Spirit do the work of purgation in your life, then you can move into the next stage. And the thing is that and God doesn't wait until we're, we're fixed or whatever to, to, to move us to the next stage. Usually we're already working in that as purgation is doing its work. And so uh, you're probably already walking in the thing that God's called you, but you are making a shift to walking in it in a healthier, in a healthier manner. So let's uh, talk about illumination. So again, the purpose of uh, the purgation is starts with the blatant sins, the obvious sins, then it deals with our inner life. And again, uh, to let go of some of that stuff, uh, it takes a tremendous amount of uh, vulnerability. And, okay, illumination is the third stage. Illumination is the classical term used to describe the deepening relationship the Christian experiences with God. It is characterized by a radical shift of the deep dynamics of our being, a profound transformation of our relationship with God. Illumination is the experience of total consecration to God and love. In other words, there's a sense where, you know, Paul talks about us being rooted and grounded in God's love. So at this stage, there is a, experientially, there is a grounding in God's love. Rather than me being in charge of my relationship with God, God is given absolute control of the relationship. The basic shift in illumination is from seeing God as out there to an experience of God present deep within our lives. And so, okay, I got five more minutes to land this puppy. Uh, so this goes, uh, so anyway, there's a sense where you're carrying a, and we all do this at some level, but there's a deeper awareness that, that God is with you, that God is in you, and you're not so much chasing him at the next conference, this or that, because you're carrying uh, just a deep awareness uh, within. And so this goes hand in hand with the deep level of absolute trust to which the purgative stage brings us. As long as God is perceived as out there, separated from us, we understand ourselves as independent, autonomous beings. We labor under the anxiety that causes us to attempt to retain control of our relationship with God and to control our limited world. Illumination is also character, characterized by increasing concern for others not out of obligation, but out of a deep sense of God's love poured into our hearts for other people. And so there's a, a paradigm shift uh, in our motivation. We may be doing the same activity that we did earlier in our experience, but we are energized by a different force, by a different source. You know, there's a sense where you do ministry, you get applause and, you know, <laughs> you'll do it again. But then there comes a time where the applause doesn't come. And are you willing to continue to do ministry? I remember years ago, the Lord spoke to me, says, uh, Diana's, uh, Diana's uh, uh, activity should not uh, determine how you love her. 
that uh, he's called me to love her regardless if she acts really pleasant or unpleasant. That we're to learn to love as God loves. Now, she's made it pretty easy on me. Uh, but, uh, but there's that, that shift where we're doing the things we're called to do, but we're doing them for different reasons. Uh, Philippians, uh, we begin to experience what uh, some writers call detachment. That's the ability to hold everything with an open hand, where you're not hanging on to a relationship, you're not hanging on to position. Uh, just read Philippians 2, 13. And let me just say, uh, you know, this is a favorite verse among Christians, uh, but let me say Philippians 2.13 is not a promise to be claimed. It's a process to be embraced. Philippians 2.11, starting there. Listen to what Paul says. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what, is, what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. So there's a sense where, and look at the words he says, I have learned. I know. He speaks of experiential know. You know, in other words, I have experienced it, what, what it needs to, to have need to have lack. I have experienced what it means to have plenty. And I had to learn the secret of how to be content in those situations. You don't get this in a book. You get this by actually living through life. And the process of, of Paul learned how to be content. And he learned how to do all things through him that strengthened him. In other words, it's like, you know, uh, there's a, you know, you can sign up, you can tell somebody I'm a Marine all you want, but you're not a Marine until you go through boot camp. You know, you're not a Marine until you come out the other side. And you can say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me all you want, but you won't be doing it until you learn, until you go through the process, until you experience lack and, and abundance and, and, and you process that before the Lord. Don't want to bust any bu bubbles, but uh, I know this is one of the Christian sacred cows, uh, which I'm not sure we're supposed to have sacred cows. Uh, union, terrible joke. Okay, and I'm coming to, I'm landing this. Union is not retirement. Human is a, union is a classical term used to describe an abiding experience of complete oneness with God. Our will, our character, our mission, our values are the same as Christ. This union can be both joyful and painful. We can love others like God loves us. We can love the unlovely, be kind to the rude, go the second mile, turn the other cheek, not because you're gritting your teeth, but because it flows out of your dependency on Christ. The fruit of true maturity is not self-reliance, but on being totally dependent on God. You will never outgrow your need for Christ. So we talk about formation. It's not like we get to this place where, okay, I don't need you anymore, Jesus. I have it. No, maturity is, 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 is dependence on Jesus and our growing awareness of that. So maturity and union can only be maintained 
through intimacy with God in this stage, we worry little about our reputation, our success, things, our comfort, but instead we desire to spend ourselves for God and for others. We have peace in the midst of struggle and we can do more than we ever thought possible because Christ is made perfect in our weakness. So wherever you are, so just to go ahead and close it, this is the general track that God has us on. There's an awakening. Uh, we're awakening to him. And then he begins to, uh, the whole process of purgation, where he's dealing with the obvious stuff. And, and, uh, and he's, he's removing those things that are going to harm us, those things that harm other people. And it's not about punishing us. It's not about us not having any fun. But it's, it's taking those things away that's, that are cluttering our lives that won't move us into the purposes that God have for, has for us. Whether it deals with our sexuality, whether it deals with the way we look at money, way, the way that we deal with one another. So the whole idea of purgation is, is, is ultimately is to remove that, the manipulation. Those things that we do to protect ourselves and we come into a greater trust. And, and as we start embracing the ministry and the calling that God has on our lives, we're able to do it without manipulation, uh, without doing harm to others. So wherever you are on this deal, uh, this track, whether uh, you're on the front end of awakening and there's part of you that's coming alive, uh, I know my personal experience, there's something about being an artist that he began about, uh, I would say, almost 10 years ago, but something where I've had to work through the purgation process, where he's dealing with why I'm doing what I'm doing. And, uh, and he's speaking into it. But I had to work through the whole purgation. I think I'm moving into the illumination phase. We'll see. Uh, but let's go ahead and stand. And if the worship team would come on up. And what I'd like to do is wherever you are in the process, uh, you're in a good place. You really are in a good place. If you're in a place where God is dismantling your inner life, it sucks, it's dark, it's confusing, but you're in a good place. Uh, if you're in a place where some new dreams are coming alive and you're seeing yourself in a way that you haven't seen yourself before, that's a good place. Uh, God will deal with your motives a little, little later. But being on the front end of that is a good place. So wherever, if you're walking with Jesus, wherever you are is a good place. So Holy Spirit, um, uh, we thank you, Lord, that uh, you haven't left us as orphans, but that you've given us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, you promise to lead us into all truth. You promise to work out our salvation in us as you empower us to do ministry. You also empower us to change and to be formed. So Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would come now. It's uh, 12 o'clock, and uh, 
We love your children. We love your children. But you love them more. And uh, I want to encourage you to go ahead and get your kids. You're free to bring them back in. And we're just going to step back into worship. Uh, the service is officially closed, but if you'd like prayer, uh, we have a team of people that would love to pray for you. So I encourage you to come up. And is there anything specific that we need to speak to? Oh, yeah. If the ministry team can come up. And, um, and again, let us pray with you. It's one of the things we love doing here. Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for being here with us. As we go out, let us go out in your peace. Let us go out in your power. In Jesus' name, amen.